I fired the first OBGYN who came into the hospital room because she came in like spitting fire. She's like, you're going to kill your baby. Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. How can we enter pregnancy and labor with excitement and anticipation after a previous birth that ended in an unwanted cesarean? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 199 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and today we're speaking to Ladesia, a mama who decided she was not accepting the same birthing situation as before as she prepared for her most recent birth. HBAC stories are some of the most requested on the podcast, and I know you're going to love the perspective that Ladeja brings to this discussion. As always, please remember that the opinions of my guest may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa, and the show is not medical advice, it's an educational tool, so continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Ladeja, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, I'm so happy to have you. Would you mind just taking a second to introduce yourself and your family to the listeners? Yeah. So hi, I'm Ladeja. I am a mom of two. um, And I am married to my husband, who's also my high school sweetheart. We've been together for 10 years this October. And then we have a four-year-old daughter, Lanaya. And then we have a two-week-old son named Xavion. Oh. Oh, what a beautiful family. That's amazing. And your high school sweetheart. That's so cool. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, I love that. Okay. So let's talk about your, um, your birthing situation. When you became pregnant with your first, what was that like for you? Yes. So uh, I will back start this with my husband. If since being high school sweetheart, he joined the military right out of his high school. So Disclaimer, I did not know he was younger than me. He had a goatee. So I actually graduated two years before he did. But like, what sophomore has a goatee? So he tricked me, just letting everyone know. But so I was already in college. And then he went and joined the military, which I had feelings about it. But it's okay, we got through it. Um, And so his first deployment, I got pregnant, like right before he left, because that's what we do in the military, apparently. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, so my first pregnancy, I spent alone, which was okay. He was deployed. Um, But I'm a workaholic. So I was like, well, I should just work two jobs. Why not? And which is a theme, we'll find out. But so yeah, so our first pregnancy, he was deployed. And I had already so I used to be a doula. I guess I'm technically still a doula. But so I already had attended two or three births at this point. So I knew I wanted a doula and um, I knew that we would be moving back to California before the end of before the end of my pregnancy. So I was already looking up doulas in California before he came back. Okay. Gotcha. So you had decided that you wanted a doula. Um, You're going through this pregnancy alone. Was it the entire pregnancy or? So the first 30, so the 30 weeks. So yeah, most of the pregnancy. And then I moved down to California from Oregon um, at 29 weeks pregnant with my uncle. Okay. Wow. All right. And so once you got, uh, established in California, what kind of care decisions were you making? What did you envision your birth going like? Yeah. So, uh, with him being in the military, we like had the military insurance. So we knew we were going to have to give 
birth on base, um, which we actually live like two minutes away from the hospital, like five minute walk. And um, so that's a big reason why I wanted a doula because I had looked up like birth centers and like home birth before that and our insurance didn't cover it. And I was like, we had a military salary, so we had no choice but to do the military hospital. Yeah. And did you, how did you feel about that? I think I, I felt okay. Cause I felt supported with the doula service, like the agency we were going through. I had a really good connection with the lady who ran it and then her co-doulas, they were all really great. So I felt pretty supported in our decision to use them. Um, like pretty much they, the way they talked about birth, I was like, okay, well, this is as close. I'm going to get to a birth center birth. And, um, and so we just planned on laboring at home for a long time, which, um, is funny when we did end up having our daughter, my husband, we had, cause we lived on base. So we had to go get the doula from the gate. And like I said, we live right next to the hospital. So instead of my husband going back to our house, he just drove to the hospital and I was like, well, I guess he's ready (laughs) to go to the hospital. Oh, that's funny. Okay. So, and I guess before we jump into the birth story, were there any, you said that you worked two jobs during your pregnancy. Did that impact your pregnancy at all or? No, I'm like one of those people that like, I just have really easy pregnancies. Well, my two, my two live births were really easy pregnancies. Like I forget I was pregnant and it just, because I'm a very busybody person. So I think just being active and like working the whole time made my pregnancy actually fly by. And I was like, oh, cool. He's, and then they made the deployment fly by too. So. Oh, that's nice. Okay. So now you've grabbed your doula from the gate. What happened up after that point? Oh yeah. So it was, so the first part of my lab, like, so, well, I guess I'll go back up some. So we were laboring at home doing like all the dancing and like the watching movies. I watched, I made a point of ma- watching Major Pain with the Wayne brother. Cause I was like, well, I'm going to be in Major Pain. So might as well laugh through it. I was having a good time. Um, so we get to the hospital. I'm at four centimeters, which, okay, I have opinions about things now, but anyway, so I was at four centimeters and I was like, okay, like we're almost there-ish, I guess. And just my personality, I'm a dancer. So I was like, well, we're going to sleep because it's like 4 a.m. or maybe 5 a.m. at this point. So I was like, okay, we're going to rest a little bit and then we're going to get things going. Um, Well, I'm going to go back and forth. But before this, so it's New Year's Eve, by the way. Oh, that's my Uh, birthday. Oh, yeah, I know. (laughs) So my daughter wasn't a nice baby. She didn't break. She broke my water five minutes before my the ball dropped. And the one thing I asked for her whole pregnancy, because I didn't know her gender, was for me to get my tax return. I know that's so bad, but that's all I wanted. I didn't care about the baby gender. I was just like, come on. You can come on New Year's Eve. I'm totally okay with it. Yeah, my water broke five minutes before the ball broke or dropped. And um, I... I knew she was a girl. Like, I knew she was a girl before this, but I definitely knew she was a girl then. Because I was like, yep, already telling you what you want. So, um, so New Year, so the New Year's Eve, that's when I had contractions all day. And I did the first time mom thing of, like, walking and eating Mexican food and doing all the things that I shouldn't be doing because I just want the baby out. So, um, so yeah. So, when we got to the hospital, I was at a four. I was like, okay, yay, we've been doing some work. Um, because I knew... Um, before, because I was at 40 plus five. So the military hospital really wanted us to get induced at 40 weeks, but I was like, no, I'm okay. And so they did two membrane sweeps and they're like, oh, you're only at a one. I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. Anyway, (laughs) what I know now, but so 
yeah, so we get to the hospital, and I, like, rested a little bit, and then I was, like, I had a playlist, I was, like, twerking, and just, like, trying to get the baby out, like, I had a really cool nurses, I'm actually friends with them on Facebook to this day, just because they're so great, and they're, like, you're crazy, like, how are you in labor, and you're, like, dancing, and I was, like, because I'm getting this baby out, um, <laughs> and I think at this point, I really realized birth was mental, so I was very, like, prepared to be like mentally like I was like okay this is gonna hurt but it's not gonna be like the worst thing ever we're gonna have a party it's gonna be fine um and then shift change happened and I did not have the nicest nurse and she was like I don't really know the timeline but essentially I was in labor for 34 hours with my daughter um I think I spent about almost 24 hours in the hospital with her and so when shift change happened, so the first people were so great. They were like, oh, you don't want an epidural. You want to walk around. We do have to have you on continuous monitoring. But like, which was so annoying. Those stupid monitors like slide off all the time, yep. Um, which I think is like a trauma itself, to be honest. Like just thinking of those monitors. Ugh. anyway, so the shift change happened. And this nurse was like not really nice. And she was just grumpy. You could just tell. And so long well I guess I don't have to give you a short version but so she they kept saying you want an epidural and I was like no I don't want an epidural they're like well because I'm also on Pitocin at this point mm-hmm. which is the devil himself like <laughs> if I, that's what I don't know anyway I have really I don't like Pitocin it's like that word itself is a trauma for me but anyway um so she's like you know you're on Pitocin and then essentially she told me that I wasn't a hero to just get the epidural because I'm too tired to push my baby out. I've been in labor for this long. I think I was at 30 hours at this point. And she's like, just get an epidural. And like being a first time mom and being in that mindset of like, oh my gosh, like I'm already a bad mom. I can't push my baby out. However, the things they don't tell you, epidurals do not work for everybody. Mm-hmm. And like, I can show you my back. They literally punctured me probably over 20 times. My doula, my husband, like and also, you're having full-blown contractions on Pitocin. So I don't really know how anyone felt, expect me to s- sit still. But, um, so yeah, the epidural didn't work. And they didn't believe me at first. The anesthesiologist, which, okay, let me back up a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to keep backing up. But Back on up. <laughs> um, so I think before this, they tried to give me IV drugs. Because they're like, oh, you're so tired. You need to rest. Try IV drugs, which I was like, I'm cool. Like, I'm good. It's going to hurt. Like, it's fine. Just leave me alone. Like, let me, I'm I'm just trying to get the baby out. Like, shut up. Um, and like I said, I've been in labor. So I was in labor for, I don't know, probably like 24 hours at this point, maybe closer to that. So my doula is exhausted. So the backup doula had to come, which my other, so the main doula, because it's New Year's Eve, she's on her wedding vacation, which I knew was going to happen if I went into labor. So her backup doula came. She was with me for like pretty much close to 24 hours. Felt so bad for her. Um, so then the backup doula came for her. Uh, and then she was, she's, a, I'm 5'2". So she's as tall as me, seven months pregnant, but she is feisty. And we need to remember that because that is going to get interesting. But um, so the backup doula is here at this point. I'm kind of like in and out of it at this point because I think they gave me, I want to say, I don't know what they gave me. They gave me something. Mm -hmm. I read my birth record later and I know at some point I had fentanyl. I don't know if that's from the epidural or if that was just something that gave me IV. Either way, I wasn't happy, but I think for me it was like the compromise because they kept bothering me about the stupid epidural, which is so annoying. Um, Hi. And so, yeah, so the 
so they try to give me the epidural. And then so I finally like was like, oh my god, I'm a bad mom. Yeah, okay, okay, I'll get the epidural. However, it's a small military base hospital. And as soon as I like was like, okay, cool. And in my head, I'm like, okay, well, I guess I don't have to like have my mental block anymore because I'm not gonna be in pain, so I can just chill. The anesthesiologist comes in and then he leaves because there's emergency in the ER. And I was like, seriously? Y'all did all this work. Like, I'm not trying to be selfish. I, I hope the person's okay. But y'all made me, like, feel like crap about not getting epidural. I finally say get an epidural. And then he leaves. Seriously? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. So then that's, like, a whole other hour. And, like, at this point, I think my mental block is kind of going away. Because I'm like, I'm not going to be in pain anymore. So he comes in, gives me my epidural. Worst experience in my life. Like, comp- like, I don't know. That's just, getting an epidural was not to scare anyone listening to this. But, like, I would rather do anything other than get an epidural in my whole life. And because I literally was stabbed over 20 times. Oh, and wow. sitting, yeah, like over 20 times for just the epidural. They didn't believe me the first time because then I was like, I can feel it. I can feel everything. They're like, oh, well, sometimes it takes time to kick in. I was like, no, it doesn't. I know this for a fact. I've watched enough Teen Mom to know that that thing is supposed to kick in and like very instantly. So then they made the mistake. They're like, oh, it's going to be like 20 minutes. There's a big clock in front of me. So I'm like, looking at the clock. I'm like, okay, can still feel everything. And it's way worse because now I can't move. Um, so he came in. He, like, did the little test. He's like, close your eyes. Can you feel this? I was like, yep. I can feel you putting a cold piece of ice or something on me. I can feel everything you're doing because it's not working. And he's like, okay, let me try it again. And I was like, okay. And so my poor husband's, like, in tears. Like, sorry to tell everybody, but he was like crying at this point because it just like, I'm like, I think I was screaming at some point. Mm-hmm. So, epidural didn't work. Then they gave me two spinal taps. <laughs> the first spinal tap they gave me in the labor room, guess what? Didn't work. And so, I'm kind of freaking out at this point because I'm like, okay, hey, well, my mental block's gone. This magical pain medicine is not working and y'all won't let me get out the bed. So, like I said, the, like I told y'all, the third doula came. She's here at this point. And I was like, I just need to take a shower. And they're like, no, you have an epidural in your body. I was like, no, I freaking don't because I can feel everything. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. And they're like, well, the medicine's still in your I And I was like, and I wasn't as, ag- I'm not aggressive, but I wasn't as assertive as I am today. Because mm-hmm. of me, I was like, oh, they're telling you not to move. And I'm like, but this hurts. <laughs> I need to do something. And she will not, and my doula will never admit to this, but she picked me up seven months pregnant, as big as me, and she put me in the shower. She's like, she's taking a shower. And they're like, hey, well, you can be in there for like 20 minutes or something, because I think that's how long you can go without um, the monitors on, because that's what their concern was. And I was like, Mm -hmm. okay. (sighs) So I go in the shower, and I like start kneeling, and I like have this feeling of having to bear down. Like, I was like, oh my God. Like, as soon as I got in the shower, I was like, oh, Okay. And I was like, okay, this is getting some relief. That water was so cold. (laughs) And I was just like, whatever. It feels good. And then as soon as I'm, like, starting to feel, like, pushy, they're like, okay, got to go back in the bed. You got to sit in the queen position. You need to do this. And mind you, so I think it's New Year's Day at this point. Because, yeah, my daughter was born in a second. So it's New Year's Day at this point. There's no one else in the damn hospital. Excuse my language. It. So everyone is just bothering me at this point. And I'm just not comfortable. I'm just like, whatever, this is stupid. I don't think they checked me anymore. After, or they probably checked me one more time. And they're like, you're still at a six. And I'm like, oh, my God. She's like, you're only at a six. So I was like, I'm never going to have this baby. And I swear to you, the whole hospital, like all the labor and delivery reward was in my room. And this is so, okay. 
So Pulp Fiction was on. And I was like, I know this is a long movie. I'm going to get through Pulp Fiction. And then we'll make a decision if we're going to, like, call it a day or something. As soon as I made this decision, the whole labor and delivery ward came in. I was like, okay, I can just have a C-section. It's fine. I'm, like, over it. I'm done. They're like, and then at this point, they didn't want to give me a C-section because they knew they had to put me under because the epidural and the spinal tap didn't take. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know. You guys took away my mental block, took away the medication. There's no, I have no choice. Um, And so they're like, okay, we're going to give you a spinal tap in the operation room. And I was like, the spinal tap works. You're going to take me back in this room because the whole reason I'm having a C-section is because I'm in so much freaking pain. And they're like, okay, guess what? Spinal tap didn't work. And at this point, I'm, like, screaming. Like, they're, like, because I think they strap you down on the bed. So they're, like, trying to strap me down. And I'm, like, just, I I think I'm screaming at this point. I'm, like, this hurts so bad. And I get a little emotional because, like, knowing what I know now, I feel like I was in transition. And I, like, and I feel guilt for not saying, like, someone check me. Because it's, like, we hit transition. You're, like, I can't do this anymore. I'm so done. And knowing what I know now I'm like dang if I would have said something but you're just and like I'm trying I have gone to a lot of therapy so I'm like trying not to ha- hold this guilt because you only know what you know at the moment yeah. and like you're listening to the hospital you're trusting them they know what they're talking about like and then the nurse told me I can't push the baby out anyway because I don't have an epidural so even if I was in transition I probably be like well I can't push the baby out so and then the hard part for my birth story with my daughter is because I had to be put under, I didn't get to meet her for two hours. And so that's something like that really guts me just because it's like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if she cried when she was born. I don't know any of the things. But my sweet husband, the one thing I did say, I was like, if anyone finds out this baby's gender before me, I'm going to lose my mind. And they're like, well, we kind of have to because we're going to take it out. And I was like, don't look, don't look at it. Just wrap it up. And so my sweet husband, he didn't know her gender he had her for the two hours and they kind of thought he was weird because he wouldn't look at her when they were like changing her diaper so like he waited until they wrapped her up in a burrito and I think he was like no no y'all know Ladesia she's gonna lose her mind if I find out this baby's gender before her so we have the sweetest because my doula stayed with him at the whole this whole time too Mm -hmm. and so we have the sweetest pictures of me meeting her because I knew she was gonna be a girl but everyone convinced me I was gonna have a boy because of how I was carrying they're like, oh, you're carrying like a basketball. You're so high up. It's a boy. And I was like, okay. Um, and so, and I, I knew she was a girl because I couldn't name her. Like I, I had a boy name, but I could not pick up a girl's name. And I was like, oh my gosh. And she, well, I don't know how y'all believe, but the little, I had a dream a couple, like a week before she was born of her name. This little girl, probably like five. And she's like, my name is Lanaya Grace. And I was like, okay, that's your name. We going to name Aww. the baby this so uh, I have the sweetest pictures of me and my husband finding out her gender I look shocked and I'm just like oh my god it's a girl um so yeah that is her story and I think for me I breastfed with her and I think that was like my way of like bonding like I was like if I do anything it's gonna be breastfeeding like I couldn't and I'm like I had a lot of shame about having a c-section especially because I picked it um like I'm sure they probably would have try to do something else before the c-section but I was just so drained I was like in labor for 34 hours people telling me I can't push the baby out like I already felt like a failure my back hurt (laughs) which is the crazy part like even though I had Pitocin like they I think they turned it all up which is another weird thing about hospitals it's like you have to fight them to do what you want for your body which is so annoying because it's like 
hey, I don't want the Pitocin. Oh, well, you need it. Can you turn it down? I literally cannot cope through these contractions. Oh, then get the epidural. I don't want an epidural. Like, just this back and forth of, like, doing what I can with my body. Oh, sit down. I don't want to sit down. I want to move around. So annoying. So that's why I had a home birth because <laughs> that wasn't going to happen at my house. No one's going to tell me what to do. But um, all I was going to say, breastfeeding, I was determined to breastfeed because I felt like I failed in labor. So I was like, well, I'm going to breastfeed. So we breastfed for two years and seven months to the day. Uh, she weaned on her own. And I also, that led me, like, even though I have a lot of trauma from my daughter's birth, it led me to, like, really get serious about being a doula, especially at the military hospital. I attended so many births of wives, especially wives whose husbands were deployed and they didn't have any support there. So that was like, so it's like the thing I got from my daughter's birth was just the strength to like learn about birth and to learn about breastfeeding, become a lactation consultant, do all the things so then I can support other women so they didn't have the same experience as me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, (laughs) that was my daughter's birth. Yeah, and I'm picking up, I've noticed this with other moms as well, when there is that uh, interrupted, like the bonding that, you know, you wanted to see her immediately after and you were under. And so that wasn't possible. And uh, the frustration of that, though, that is so frustrating. The fact that you did, you took that and turned it into something beautiful by focusing on, okay, well, now what can I do? Like, I didn't have that part that I wanted. Now, what can I do to refocus this energy and focusing on something so beautiful as breastfeeding is, is really incredible. And it sounds like you've been able to use that information to encourage and influence other mothers as well. Yeah, no, thank you. Exactly. That's was, that's I like, like I said, I go to a lot of therapy. I'm actually a therapist. And so us therapists need therapists too, but I've spent a lot of work processing my daughter's birth, especially for this upcoming, for my birth I just had and that was something that I took away too was just like well I'm not a failure because that's something I felt I was like oh my god I gave up and it's like well you know it's kind of how our system is built like I haven't watched the business of birthing but like I felt like I didn't need to because I already like knew like it's just this money-making thing um which my midwife she wrote a book which I thought I brought in here but it kind of goes into that whole thing as well which I'll definitely have to tell y'all the name of it it's called the wisdom of wisdom from the room womb like your mother thing and it's such a good book and it just has like all my midwife's knowledge in it but anyway um that's something I took away from therapy too was just like like I said earlier we know what we we do what we know of the information we have at that time I didn't have the information until after and it's just like I my I feel like my birth is like the stereotypical this is what happens when we have all the interventions when we're put on the hospital's time like oh you had 24 hours because and that's why they came in that's why everyone came in because it was 24 hours after my water broke which i knew just from the births i attended before people put that clock on and so you're like great yeah and i I think that's why i was like it kind of took my power back of like saying i wanted a c-section so then they couldn't tell me i was gonna have a c-section um but it just yeah my story with my daughter is just like stereotypical this is what happens with all the hospital interventions you get the pitocin going and then you're gonna need the epidural and then you know if my water hadn't broken they probably would have broke my water at some point to make things go faster and it's just like our bodies are made to do what they're supposed to do like um and that's like one thing just from doing birth work having my own births is like a lot of times our society tells us like, oh, our bodies can't do this. We need Pitocin so our bodies can do this. Oh, we need the epidural because our body can't handle the pain. And it's like, your body can do it. Like, you know, there probably, there are women out there who 
need that medical assistance, but it's like you don't, I, maybe I heard this in your podcast, but you don't go give birth by a paid surgeon because that's what OBGYNs are. Like they're surgeons. So why would I go to a surgeon to give birth and not expect to have a surgery? Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, and not to like shame anyone or make them feel bad that, you know, they choose OBGYN because sometimes they just feel safer with that. But it's like, our society teaches us not to trust our body, like, you know, and so if our body, oh, I'm sorry, where was I going with this? If our minds, our mind is so powerful, like, if we can align our body and our mind, we can do this, like, and that's something I really felt with my daughter, is, like, I had this mental block, like, I was ready, I was like, yep, this gonna suck, we gonna twerk through it, Chris Brown gonna get me through this, like, I was ready, and just for, to, and, like, my two nurses who, I, like I said earlier, there's, like, I'm Facebook friends with them, and they're so awesome. They're like, oh, my God, you're so great. Like, you know, they helped me a lot, too, because they're like, you didn't just give up. Like, you, like, craziest person I've ever seen give birth because you're, like, just chilling and rocking and obviously having these crazy Pitocin, bless you, Pitocin contractions. And then as soon as that nurse came in, my whole mentality shifted because she's like, oh. she didn't say I was a failure, but, like, that's what I heard her say. Right. And so I just think it's really important to know our bodies are made to do this. However, we need to get our bodies and our minds aligned so that we can do it. And that's something I really focus on with like therapy and like with my son's pregnancy. And I also didn't know his gender, but um, like I really went to, I processed a lot of my birth trauma and therapy and I like went to acupuncture, I went to chiropractor, I did all the things, but not just because I was pregnant, but because I really needed to like heal both my body and my mind to prepare right. for labor. Huge. It's so huge. I think that so often we do disconnect those two things. We think of the body as one thing, the mind as the other thing, and yep. they have their own separate compartments. And that is just not how it is. Like it is Apollo Reeves who wrote this book called Women's Intuition, um, which we talk about inside of the Home Birth Collective. She calls it the body mind. It's, you know, one word, the body mind. Like these things are fused together. You don't have one without the other, your mind is infused into every cell of your being. And when we disconnect those things, like then we are dissociating, then we are unable to, to be present. Um, yeah, that's such a huge point. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, of course. And yeah, I need to read that book. Cause exactly. Like, and that's even as a therapist, that's some work I do too, is like, you know, people are like, Oh, I have this physical pain or I can't sleep at night. And it's just like, what, what is on your brain? Like, what's, what, tra- like, um, I can't say this author's name because it's, like, German or something, but there's a book called The Body Keeps a Score, uh-huh. and it aligns that as well, too, is, like, and I know that kind of goes for the body part, but it shows how our mind impacts our physical health, and then it's, like, vice versa, or, mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's what I just think with my daughter's birth, is, like, being told I was only at a six, just, like, changing that language, if someone's, like, oh, my gosh, you're already at a six, I'm, like, what? awesome instead of like you're only at a six it's like dang really i still got four more to go you're like wow four that's not you're one away from transition like Mm -hmm. i mean it's anyway cervical checks don't matter just like tell everybody it don't matter because you could be at a six for okay probably not a six but like you could be at a four for weeks or you could be at a one and be at a 10 in an hour like and i was a big part of this Mm -hmm. yeah like it's just doesn't even matter but yeah that was my daughter but she's awesome she is the sweetest little four-year-old she's like obsessed with her brother she always tells me um she's like don't let my brother cry is he hungry can I hold him 
Are you taking care of her mom? (laughs) Right, literally. And it's just like, yes, I I, God trusted me to take care of this baby. (laughs) Oh my gosh, she's so funny. She like we're we're a Christian family, and so she'll go to church. She'll do her prayers at night. She's like, God, I pray for my mom to take care of my brother. I love my brother. And then she asks me every day. She's like, Am I going to be a big sister forever? And I'm like, Yeah, kind of how it works, kiddo. Oh, how sweet is that? Oh, that's amazing. And one other thing that I wanted to bring up, um, because you you mentioned this, and I actually, by the time that this airs, this other interview will have aired with Dr. Stu from Birthing Instincts. And we, we were just chatting and he was talking about the fact that, you know, these moms get to the hospital and okay, so you first, you don't know your nurse, like you don't know these people and they're with you for the majority of the time. And then finally you start building rapport. Like you build a relationship, you start trusting them. And then what happens? Like shift change, goodbye. And, and then that can totally throw everything off. And that is exactly what it sounds like you experienced. Exactly. Yeah. I think on, like, honestly, if I would have kept the two nurses, they had like a 24 hour shift, which I would not put on anybody. But like, I think my birth would have been so different because they were so encouraging. They're like, you got this. And like, I don't, and you know, it's four and a half years ago, but I don't think they mentioned epidural after I said, I'm not getting one. Like, I think they're like, okay, cool. And they spent so much time with me because that's something else I've learned from doing birth work is hospitals get so comfortable watching monitors. Like they, it's like, bro, if you come sit in here, I can tell you way more about my pain than that stupid monitor can. Or I can tell you more about this contraction than that monitor can. And so, like, if I would have kept those two nurses, they were, like, chilling with me. Again, they were, and that's the other thing that irritates me because it's New Year's Eve, New Year, or it was New Year's Day. There's no one there with me. So it's like, why why, why are y'all watching the monitor? Like, come in here and hang out with me. Um, so, yeah. No, I totally agree because I think it would have been such a different if I would have felt more supported from that lady. Like, yeah, no, I didn't feel supported from her at all. She's like, you're going to do this. And I, another trigger of mine is when people say their doctors are going to allow them to do this. They're going to, bro, this is my body and I pay you. You're not going to allow me to do anything. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, so, um, and another thing, um, I kind of call myself an educational doula because, like, I have a huge doula library and I think, it's so important for birthing people and women and like everyone, like in any sense of life to educate yourself because like at the end of the day, no one can take away your education. No one can take away the knowledge, you know, because that's like something I realize of hospitals is they like the fear mongering comes from like women. They don't think women know, um, mm-hmm. which will come into play with my son's birth because I mean, I probably can start there actually. Yeah, um, so with my son, I knew from the day, like, I think I even told the OBGYN um, surgeon, like, I was like, when you do my C-section, make sure you do it so I can have a V-back. Like, because I already knew what a V-back was. I was like, make sure you cut me in the way that I can have a V-back. And so make sure you write it somewhere because I'm having a freaking V-back. Like, before surgery happened, I was like, my next kid, I'm having vaginal birth. I don't care. I have no choice. And so we moved to Denver at this point. Um, so my daughter was like almost two when we moved to Denver because my husband was done with his active duty and that's where he, that's where he's from. He's from here in Denver. And so, um, literally the first thing I did when we got to Denver is I took my daughter to her doctor's appointment and then the hospital was attached to a birth center or the birth center is a part of the hospital, something like that. And so I went there same day. I think we're here for like a week or two. And I was like, Hey, I'm not pregnant, but I want to know about your birth center. Uh, and they're like, Oh, you had a C-section. Sorry, we can't do that. Cause I guess here in Colorado, um, ins- the insurance companies make it so that 
it's more liability insurance for birth centers to do home or not home births to do birth center births for VBACs. And so they're like, sorry, can't do it. And I was like, dang, like, how would y'all know how to be, how would y'all know? Anyway, so that really irritated me. So that's how I ended up in a home birth. Cause I was like, well, can't do birth center and I'm not giving birth at the hospital. Like, so, and, um, the way I met my midwife is my sister-in-law was, um, doing like her doula workshop and she connected us. And again, I'm very type A, so I'm not even pregnant yet. I don't think we even talk. I think I'm in like grad school or I'm going to start grad school soon. And I'm just like, reach reach out to everybody researching. So I was like, this is what's going to happen when I give birth. I need to know who I'm going to work with. And so that's how I met Geneva. She is awesome. Like I can sing her praises all day long. So anyway, with um, my son, we actually, so I graduated um, with my master's from social work in the end of 2020. And I was like, cool, graduation gift. Give me a baby husband. <laughs> and so um, I think we got pregnant right away. And then, unfortunately, we had our first miscarriage on our wedding anniversary, which was also the day my great-grandma died. (laughs) But it kind of worked out nicely because my job gave me bereavement. So, And I was working two jobs at this point. That's the thing with me. I like to work two jobs. I don't know what's wrong with me. But (laughs) so uh, it was kind of nice because I'm really bad at quitting things. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to work at my first job anymore. And so I just, like, took my bereavement leave. And then I had all this sick and um vacation time and so I kind of let that run out and they're like are you gonna come back and I was like when do I have to come back and they're like well you need to work by the end of this month and I was like okay I'm okay I'm good see you later so um (laughs) and then I worked at my so I worked at my internship uh where I did in-home therapy for so I was a trauma well I guess I am a trauma therapist and so that's what I did and then we got pregnant right away again after that loss and that pregnant, so this loss, I think it was like an early loss at six weeks, but it's still really hard. And then the second pregnancy, the baby just never grew. So like every time I would go, they're like, oh, maybe you're too early. Oh, maybe you're too early. And then it was like, okay, maybe we'll give it two more weeks. And so that went on for like 14 weeks. Unfortunately, yeah, so we didn't, so that baby. And then my body just blew up though, because I think it was just so prepared to be pregnant. Because I think at this point, so it's like, I got pregnant. I don't even know when I got pregnant. Cause I had the loss in, Dece- in January. So I probably got pregnant in November of 2020. And then I was pregnant from the end of November until April. So my body just like was, I think all the hormones going through it, my body, I gained so much weight. It was like ridiculous. I weighed more than I did when I delivered my daughter. And like I said, I'm only five, two pretty small person. So, I mean, God only lets things grow to your perfect. So if you're hearing this, y'all know my brother, he's six, nine. So God had a lot of work to do with him. Sorry, brother. I love you, man. So, yeah. So I decided in April to lose weight. I was like, you know what? We're going to focus on the eight dimensions of wellness. Like I preach this with my clients, but I need to be an example myself. So for those first, so from April to November, 2021, I like focused on losing weight, just like working on my mentality. I got this amazing therapist, like God literally sent her to me because I was like, I'm going to do therapy. I'm going to do therapy. And so I would schedule the therapy appointments and then I would like forget about them. And then she like called me and she's like, Hey, we have a session. And I was like, Oh, Hey, dang, y'all call people. And I've been working with her ever since. She's awesome. Like she's just, she really helped me heal a lot. But, um, so I was really focusing on eight dimensions of wellness. I did the 75 hard challenge, which was, have you heard of that? No. 
it is like this extra it's like this it's not even an exercise challenge but essentially for 75 days you do a diet so we did low carb I don't know what was wrong with me. I like limited myself to 20 carbs, 20 grams of carbs a day, which oh. I didn't even like woke up net carbs. So I was doing it way harder than I needed to. Ooh. And um, you work out twice a day for 45 minutes. One has to be outside. You drink a gallon of water and some other stuff. So we did that. I made my husband do it. Oh, I didn't make him. I asked my husband to do it with me and he did it. So great. But so we focus on that. I went to Hawaii for the first time with my mom in the end of October. So actually, we conceived on Halloween, which TMI, I know. But then I went to Hawaii that same day. And I was like, yo, I'm in, I'm ovulating. So we should probably, you know, <laughs> just say if we're going to have a baby. We should probably, you know, get this done. So then I went to Hawaii and I had my my Mai Tais. I was like, well, I'm going to implant in like two days. So I'm going to get turned up right now. now. But, you know, you're with your mom. So you can't really drink too much. But... <laughs> um so anyway and so yeah I lost 50 pounds before I, I conceived Tim which was I felt so great I look I look like a snack on Hawaii okay not even snack I look like a whole meal okay no um, and so uh and with all my pregnancies I knew what I got like I because I'm really I feel pretty in tune with my body so I know when I'm pregnant like I don't need a pregnancy test because I can just feel it I'm like oh yep that's implantation yep I am pregnant so <laughs> um so yeah I got pregnant in Halloween or on Halloween and I Geneva like she, she's been in touch with me this whole time so like I had a pretty good relationship with my midwife Geneva the whole time like because I was going to do the two pregnancies with her I was going to use her as my home birth midwife um obviously that didn't work out and then I like, I think she's probably the first people I told. I was like, hey, so are you ready to sign some paperwork? Because I'm about to be your favorite client. Um, so, yeah, it was great. Um, so, yeah, we came back. We're pregnant. And so this pregnancy, I tried. I, I lied to myself. I really was going to work out my whole pregnancy. I really planned on doing it. I really wanted to. But I was, girl, I was so tired. I was so tired. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I tried. And I was just so tired. And I was, and my crazy self was working two jobs again. But what happened was, so the reason why I was working two jobs, because <laughs> I know everyone, all my friends are going to listen to this. And they're like, yep, she's crazy. But the reason why I worked two jobs was because I was over my first job. So the job I did my internship at that I've been at, I, I've been there for two years now. But at this point, I was there at the, for a year. And I was just over it. Um, and I'm not naming my jobs out just because I still work there. But um, <laughs> so... I was just over it, and I just didn't like the workplace politics or anything like that. So I applied for a different job because I knew I was going to quit. But then I got switched over to um, another, like, a very specialized trauma team, trauma therapy for kiddos zero to five and their parents. And I was like, oh, my God, I love this because I want to work with kids, and, and I love working with parents. And so – but then I already had, like, accepted the other job position. So I was like, well – we just go see how long this goes for. And then I learned that we like had a training for 12 weeks at the other job. So I was like, okay, I can manage both for a little bit. And then here we are. I worked until the last day of my pregnancy. I actually worked until I was in labor in both jobs. So, and I kept saying, I'm going to quit every month. I was like, okay, I'm just going to make it to January. I'm just going to make it to April. I'm just going to make it to June. And then I had a whole baby. I was like, I think I'm in labor. So I'm not going to be in this meeting today. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm a workaholic. But the nice part is I am... Well, they probably, well, I don't know. When does this come out? Anyway, I'll just ignore it. We're not going to say it. But anyway, um, 
So back to my pregnancy. I had a fairly easy pregnancy again. Um, like I forgot I was pregnant. He was also so chill. Like I could lay on my belly. Like my daughter was not about that, but he was chill. I think he just moved over. He was like, whatever, mom, lay on me. I don't care. Super chill baby, super chill pregnancy. Um, this one was a little bit more mentally taxing because I'm the friend who checks on everybody. But then like this pregnancy, no one really checked on me, which really sucked. Um, and so, yeah, I had some big feelings about that. We've worked on it in therapy, but I just had some really big feelings because I have like some abandonment issues. We don't got to get into all that, but it just was really like lonely, this pregnancy. And I think a lot of people were like, oh, she's working two jobs. She's busy. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm still a person. I'm growing a human. I'm really tired. Someone take me to lunch. I'm very hungry. No, but um, <laughs> anyway, and I think I'm just really glad I had therapy and like all the things I was doing because it did make it feel better. And like my pregnancy flew by, but. That is one thing I want to, like, really support your pregnant friends, people. Like, just check on them. Be like, hey, how you doing? Because we hungry, we tired, and we don't want to work. Like, <laughs> and I think what made it really nice, this pregnancy, and this is, like, how I, my therapist always asks me, because she's Christian, so she's always like, how does God show up for you? And I think switching teams at my first job, uh, working in the team I did, we worked in teams. So um, we, it was me and a co-therapist. And so I worked with her every day. So that was really nice because I did have someone by me my whole pregnancy. And she's so awesome. Like, she even calls me. And she's like, I don't want to talk about work, but can you talk about work with me? And I'm like, girl, yeah, give me the tea. Give me the tea about our clients. I want to know. Um, if my clients hear this, we don't talk about y'all. We only say positive things. Yup. No. <laughs> anyway, so getting to his birth story, um, a little bit like possible trigger warning, um, my they try to diagnose me with preeclampsia. And the reason why I say they try to diagnose me is because I did not have preeclampsia. However, I think being African-American woman, they try to overcompensate because, you know, we have really high mortality rates in America. And so I think they were trying to do too much so that they can make sure I didn't die and I didn't get a lawsuit on them. But I didn't have preeclampsia. So the whole time I did work with my OB and my midwife. The only reason why I worked with the OBGYN was because um, my insurance didn't cover my midwife. And so anything I needed to do, like testing wise, I would just go through the OBGYN and I barely went to them. So I literally went ugh, and then I took the glucose test. I don't know why I did it with them when my midwife already did it. Anyway, just decisions. Again, going back to that fear mongering of like, you need to make sure you don't have gestational diabetes. I'm like, my midwife already told me I didn't have gestational diabetes, but they didn't know I was working with midwife and I'm a little bit of people pleaser. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. But, um, I was really proud of myself because, Anyway, hold on. So they really wanted me to get the Tdap. And I was like, well, it says you only need to get it every 10 years. And I have a four and a half year old. So why do I need to get it again? They're like, because this baby doesn't have that immunity. And I was like, okay, I'll go downstairs and get it. They're like, we can give it to you here. No, no, it's okay. I'll come back. So I was really proud of my, even though I said no, they kept irritating me about it. Um, I don't know. I just didn't, midwife so this is something that's really important for me to say is like having a home birth midwife is 10 times more personalized care than going to OBGYN. Like OBGYN is a 10 minute appointment. They barely remember you. Like, and I got so used to my midwife. I could just complain to her about anything. So I even say to my OBG, Oh, I feel overwhelmed. Okay. Yeah. Let's take your blood pressure. I'm like, Oh, y'all don't care. And it's just like, and it's no, no shame to them, but like, you know, they probably have like a hundred clients and all this stuff. And my midwife has like, six of us. I don't know how many she has. I'm just assuming. But um, 
she like it just was like another therapist like I would just vent to her like you know these jobs are crazy I have these big feelings you know and then so I remember one day at my OBGYN it was a day they like tried to force me to get the Tdap and I was like no I'm okay I don't want it and like again like I said I don't know my son's gender and they like forced me to get an epi- uh not epidural uh ultrasound because I was trying not to get ultrasounds and all that stuff because like one we don't know all the stuff that happens with ultrasounds. And two, I don't want to know my baby's gender. And, like, she literally was like, okay. Like, I told her no to the shot. And she's like, okay, here's the ultrasound. And, like, I felt like she kind of was, like, punishing me. And she's like, we need to just check a baby's head down. And, like, dude, my midwife literally touches my belly and taught my husband how to fill the baby's head. We know the baby's head's down. Like, just fill my belly. I can show you where the baby's head is. And so she's like, we have to do an ultrasound to make sure baby's head's down. And I was like, no. And they're like, we, and then she, she did it real quick. And she's like, oh, I need to check the fluid. And it, like, really irritated me because I felt like I was being punished. And it was like, oh, but if I accidentally see the gender, I see the gender, which was just not cool. And then another thing, like, I could plan all day about the hospital, which I know they're just doing their job. And, like, I think I read in one of the Facebook groups, it's like, they're not getting paid to trick you. And I'm like, they're getting paid to do something. Um Wow, I'm all over the place. Okay, sorry. One second. Um, what was I gonna say? <laughs> this so is you, how. So you, um, you were seeing your OB and your midwife throughout mm-hmm. the pregnancy. What about um, towards the end of the pregnancy? How was that different? Like, end of pregnancy, going into labor. How were you feeling this time? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yes. I was feeling completely better. So after the Tdap up thing. I stopped going to the OBGYN. Uh, I stopped going to them for two reasons. Because one, at my glucose test, they tried to tell me that we're going to schedule a 39-week induction because I had a C-section. And I was like, yeah, y'all got me messed up. And then the whole Tdap thing and ultrasound happened. I was like, I'm not going back. So I was feeling pretty great because I didn't have to go there. <laughs> um, my midwife came. She did like a house blessing. She just was amazing, really preparing me mentally to give birth. I was like... You know, I'm going to be prepared for a 48-hour labor this time. <laughs> um, I'll tell you about that in a second when I get into my his birth story. But I was prepared. I was like, I'm going to watch all the Wayne Brother movies again. We're going to watch White Chicks. We're going to have fun. It's going to be a good time. Um, so I was feeling so good. Um, and then that's when the preeclampsia, my blood pressure, because I have lower blood pressure. So then my blood pressure was getting a little bit higher. And that's why I went back to OBGYN because my midwife wanted me to just to double check my blood work. And my blood pressure was never high. So I will say that. Like, I know preeclampsia is serious, but my blood pressure was never high. It just was higher for me. Um, it was getting high, concerning high, but it wasn't ever high. And so at 39 weeks plus two or something like that, I did go back and get blood work. And they're like, your levels are all good, except for your creatine or whatever is a little high. And I was like, okay. I feel, and they're like do you have headache, anything like that? I was like, nope, I feel great. I just came here because my midwife told me to. <laughs> like, I feel great. And they're like, you need to go to the hospital right now. We, we need to do this. And I was like, okay. And again, and I was so proud of myself because this is, so this is the 19th of January. So I had him um, the seven, the, sorry, the 20th of July. So I, I am a very anxious person, which is probably why I'm type A. And I did not feel anxious this whole time about the preeclampsia thing, which is, like, something that usually would have stressed me out. But I, like, gave it to God. I prayed. I was like, Lord, I surrender to you. And that was something I've really been working on my whole pregnancy was surrendering. I was like, you guide me, Lord, because if you think I need to have this baby today, if you say it, I will have this baby today. And it ended up 
I fired the first OBGYN who came into the hospital room because she came in like spitting fire. She's like, you're going to kill your baby. And I was like, first of all, that's not how we go start this conversation. So you can leave. Um, and so the next OBGYN, thank God it was shift change. She came in and she was like, because I went into the bathroom. I was probably in the bathroom for 15 minutes. And I was like, I'm not doing anything. I'm leaving. I don't feel like I have preeclampsia. One number because I asked them, I was like, Why do you guys think I have preeclampsia? And they're like, Oh, because your one number's high and like you have high blood pressure. And I was like, No, because what happened was she took the blood pressure cuff off of me and she put it back on me when it was already starting because they were automatic. And so my reading was high because my it wasn't on my arm the whole time. So it was kind of a janky reading because every reading before that was perfect and every reading after that was perfect. Mm-hmm. So they're like, Because you have this one high reading and you have this one higher number, you have preeclampsia. And I was like, but that doesn't make sense. And this is, again, people, why it's really important to educate yourself because you can't, like, that's one thing I pride myself on is no one can just tell me anything. Like, you can't tell me the sky is blue and think I'm going to be like, oh, is it blue? Like, no, I'm going to research it. And so as this is going on, I call my sister-in-law who did have preeclampsia, and I called one of my friends who also had preeclampsia, and they're like, yeah, I had these symptoms. I had this and this. And I was like, okay, well, the only reason I have a headache is because I'm in this hospital. Other than that, I have no, <laughs> I have no symptoms. And so, um, and the reason why I bring this up is because I went in the bathroom and I prayed. I was like, Lord, you tell me what to do. And I felt like my answer came in when the OBGYN came in and she was like, um, because I kind of just vented to her. I was like, you guys, I feel like I'm being tricked. Y'all said 39 weeks. I was going to have an induction. Here I am magically 39 weeks. And now I have preeclampsia. Like, how does that make sense? That don't make sense. Y'all, I feel like I'm being tricked. And she's like, I hear you. She's like, we don't want you to leave, but here are your options. And like, to just be heard out. And like, the first option she gave me was like, I could leave, but I need to go get um, more blood work in the morning. I was like, that's the Lord. Cause she could have said that last. And I probably wouldn't have listened. Um, but anyway, so I left. <laughs> I was like, I'm leaving. Bye. And I like talked to my midwife and like, I'm not, she didn't recommend I do the midwife's blue, but like I'm in Facebook groups and I was like, well, if they're talking about induction either way, I'd rather try at home. And so I was like, so she's like, what's your plan? I was like, I'm going to sleep because that's why I did not do the first time. I'm going to go to bed. I feel fine. I'm going to go do the blood work in the morning, do all the stupid things they want me to do. And then um, I'm going to take the midwife's brew. And she's like, okay, just know it's going to work four to five hours after if it's going to work. And I was like, okay, bet. I'm going to plan my day around this. My little sister was flying in because that's one of my midwife's um, things is like, or requirements is someone has to be there for my daughter. And I'm like, I didn't really, because it's your birth space. I don't want just anybody there. And so I, like, called my little sister, because my mom and my sister lives in Oregon, my brothers. So um, I called my sister. I called my mom. And I was like, hey, you guys need to change your flight, because she was supposed to come in at, like, midnight the next night, so the 21st. And I was like, nope, I'm pretty sure the baby's coming today. They're like, I just I just feel it. I know the baby's coming. And so they changed her flight. Um, so she came in at 4.30. Me and my husband got her. Um, and I drank the midwife's brew at 5.00. And so my sisters, because I don't know where I heard this, but it's like, don't time your own contraction. So I made my sister download the contraction app, and she took my first contraction at 619. And I was like, okay, these are chill. Okay, we're probably going to have a baby tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, no. By 8, I was, like, texting the doula. So my original doula ended up having COVID. And so her backup doula came, and she was so cool. And this is just something about me. I always make people look up their natal charts. My clients, I don't care who you are. We need to know your natal chart. I need to know what we're working with. Um, So she was so cool. She totally appeased me, like, entertained me to do her natal chart. She's so cool. But um, 
So she, I was like, hey, because you know, and I feel like this is something that happens in every one of your episodes, but people are like, you don't want the people to come too early. Like, so I was like, whoo, I'm kind of, excuse my language, being a little bit of weak bitch, but this, these are kind of intense. Like, I'm going to need someone to come over here. Because it's only eight at this point, and I'm prepared for a 48 hour labor. So I was like, Ooh, I don't know how we're gonna make it through this because this is a lot. Um, and so, uh, oh, before she came, I like me and my husband were doing all the things like the mile circuit, the like pumping. So I did the mile circuit for like five minutes, and I was like, Nope, nope, mm-mm, can't do this. I need to move around. And that was the other thing. So, like, the only way I can like get through my contractions if I was like moving, like. And, you know, in my head, I'm like, dang it, I'm still in early labor because, you know, you're not supposed to be able to walk through your contractions. And that was the only way I can get relief. If I was walking through my contractions, I was like, we're going to be here for a long time. I don't know how I'm going to get through this if it's only been three hours. So my doula comes. I was like, hey, I think I need you. So she came at nine. I talked to my midwife at 840. And I was like, hey, this is a lot. And my thing was. I don't know how I'm going to do this for another 30 hours. Like, I don't, I don't know how y'all expect me to do this for 30 hours because this kind of sucks. And I was doing all the things. I listened to hypnobirthing, which is so funny. I didn't listen to any of the tracks during labor. I was just listening to my Christian playlist. My church plays this song called Deliverer. So I was like belting that the whole time. And that's like kind of the theme of my like labor was like this song Deliverer. And it's just amazing. You got to listen to it. But um, so I'm like belting this song through contractions. <laughs> At one point when my doula did come, she's like, you should sit on the toilet. I was like, I can't sit on the toilet upstairs because it's too low. We got to go downstairs, but I'm not walking down the stairs. So I don't know tell you. Um, and we call my midwife again. So my doula comes about nine. We call my midwife again at 920. And I was like, Geneva, can you please come check me? Like, I, I, I just, I just need to know. I know it don't matter, but I just need to know where I'm at because... I just can't I, like I don't want to say I can't do this but I just need you to come like and she's like I'll come like I'm like in tears at this point so just like I'm sorry to make you come early like I know I've only been in labor for three hours but I just can't do this anyway and they're like you can't do this and that's something my midwife or my doula did say was like you don't need to focus on getting through 30 hours just get through this contraction and I was like thank you for saying that because my brain is like oh my god how are we gonna do this for 30 hours and so my midwife did say she's coming. I do want to like say that she, she said she's on her way and she's like, but you can check yourself too, but I will come check you. And I was like, okay. Oh yeah. I can check myself. Tell me why I put my hand in my vagina, in my vulva. And there was a water balloon in there. And I was like, Oh my God, my vagina's prolapsing. <laughs> that was my I was like, my vagina's broken. I don't know what's going on. And then like all the contractions are up front. And I was like, and I think my uterus is rupturing. Like, oh. I don't know. <laughs> Not that I was about to have a baby, y'all. I was like, my vagina's broken. And I don't know what to do. I think I started crying at this point because I was like, it's broken. I'm never going to be back to normal. Very transition-y. Just <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I can't do this. And then I, like, got on my hands and knees. Remember back to my daughter's birth. I felt pushy when I finally got in the shower and on my hands and knees. So I'm in my hands and knees in the shower. And I'm like, I need to poop. I need to poop. And my doula's like, are you sure you need to poop or you need to push? I was like, I need to poop. I don't need to push. It's only been three hours. There's not a baby coming. There's not a water bottle in my, there's not a water balloon in my vagina right now. Like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm broken and I need to poop. I didn't have to poop. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. 
So um, my doula or my midwife, I think everyone else knows what's going on besides me because mm-hmm. I just think my vagina is broken. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so my midwife is like, guys, you need to put her on the bed. And I was like, I am not getting out the shower. You guys are crazy. Um, oh, actually, before. So I, I don't really know the sequence of events, but pretty much I was on my hands and knees. And then my doula noticed I wasn't like vocal during contractions anymore and she's like are you not having contractions and I was like oh I guess I'm not okay I'm good guys we're all good now I told y'all the baby wasn't coming but you know for us birth workers out there there's always that pause before you have a baby where your contractions stop and I was just like okay I guess I wasn't in active labor I'm sorry for making people come and they're like you need to go get in the bed and I was like I don't want to get in the bed I'm comfortable here to like in my my midwife and my husband are very much the same. They're very, like, I'm a talker. Like, as you can tell, I could talk forever. But her, my midwife and my husband are very much, like, very short words. And, like, they tell you to do something, you go do it. So I was like, fine, I'll go get in the bed. <sighs> and so we get in the bed, and I laid on my back, which is so funny, because that's the one position I didn't want to give birth in. But that's the one thing that felt good. Oh, sorry, backing up a little bit. My husband's not in the bathroom at this point because he's getting the birth tub ready because I was like, can I go get in the birth tub? She's like, yeah, go ahead. Like, why didn't you bring it in it? Spoiler alert, we've set everything up. Somehow the tubing broke, so he couldn't fill up the birth tub. He didn't, I don't think he told me this, or if he did, I was in labor land. I don't know. So he comes back, and they can see the water balloon coming out my vagina, like, which is my son's head, which, you know, you expect to fill a baby's head, not a water balloon. And so I'm, like, laying down, and I'm like, they're like, get on your side. I'm like, I thought I was on my side. What are you talking about? <laughs> I can't move, guys. I'm stuck. And I didn't, so F, uh, fetal ejection re- reflex kicked in. I didn't push. I literally said, Ugh, and the baby flew out. Um, and my husband, it, I, I feel bad, but it's okay. He, so the closet is like five, five steps away from our room. And he went to go get towels because I guess everyone knew the baby was coming out besides me. I, I thought my vagina was broken. Just have to put that out there. Um, and so he stepped out the room real quick to get the towels, and our son was born. <laughs> so that and to my friend too, that exact thing, same thing. Husband went to get the towels. <laughs> she's like, dang it. it, yeah. And no one caught the or I mean, he had a nice landing on my bed. He he yeah. was nice. He was born in his sack, which oh. is so crazy because. That's something I told my midwife I wanted. And she's like, okay, Ladasia, like, we can control that. But, um, so, yeah, it was fine. My midwife missed the birth. She was on her way. And no one knew I was, like, that close. I thought I just had to poop. And so she was on her way. But, so, yeah, he was born in a sack. But I kind of was bummed out because no one got pictures. But I could feel it. So it was fine. Um, And then the craziest part of it is when my midwife came, I was like, this feels like deja vu. Like, I've been in this moment. And so I remembered earlier in my pregnancy, I had a dream of, like, the exact same thing. That I had a water, like, the baby came out and no one was there. And, I mean, obviously people were there this time. But it was just so crazy because I totally, and I'm like, I mean, I feel very spiritual. And, like, I could tell, like, I always get pregnancy dreams about my friends. Like, I'd be like, hey, I think, are you pregnant? Because I had a dream about you. Like, I'll just get feelings. Or, like, I'm always that friend who texts people and they're like, and I won't talk to them for months. And they're like, oh, my God, how did you know I need you today? So I feel like I have a little bit of, like, you know, some giftedness there. But I totally dreamt this happening. And I, like, texted it to my mom. I looked at I looked at my text messages because I was like, I'm not crazy. I know I had this dream. And so I texted her. And I didn't tell her all about the dream. But I remember 
texting her part of the dream and I was like yep this is exactly what happened um and it was from early pregnancy and I just kept telling my midwife I was like oh my gosh this is deja vu I had this before and the other crazy part about having my son the thing I said it was like did I just have a baby that was the first thing that came out of my mouth and I was like no nah, y'all crazy I'm sleeping I must be dreaming because there is no way I just had a baby like I did not feel the baby go under my pelvis I did not have the ring of fire I didn't have none of the things people tell me there is no way I had a baby Ladesha, you got your literal dream birth. <laughs> like, literally. Like, like no, yeah, seriously. I, Because, yeah, that's all the things I asked for. And my midwife made fun of me, like, joking. Like, she's super playful. But she was like, wow, I guess you really can control things, huh? No. But yeah. uh, it, was just, it was just so crazy. And my daughter was there. Like, because I feel like that's another thing I feel is weird. Like, you go to a hospital. Your kid is, like, with you your whole pregnancy. Then you go to a hospital. And they don't see you for three days. And you come back with a baby. Like, that's, to me, I feel like that's traumatizing for kids. So mm-hmm. I'm like, my sister was here. Like, and everyone was like, well, one second we heard you screaming. And now we hear baby crying. What just happened? And we're all just like, did you just have a baby? Oh, it was just, it was so great. Um, and even if I paid for a birth photographer, because I wanted my birth photograph, there was no point because <laughs> no one made it. <laughs> like, the baby came out too fast, but it was so redemptive and it just felt like so Holy Spirit guided because I felt guided by the Holy Spirit because like, you know, I have the hospital telling me I'm going to kill myself and my baby because, you know, I have preeclampsia, even though I literally didn't have it. And, um, which is, again, it goes back to fear mongering. I did end up back at the hospital a couple days later because I kept calling me to get my levels checked and they're like, oh, your level went back. So my, oh, that's what I forgot to say. So the next day when I went back to get my levels checked, it went back down. So everything was fine again. But they're like, you need to go to the hospital. You need to have your baby right now. And then they told me I was going to have to have a C-section because I waited too long. And wow. they don't know. Well, and you knew better. Yeah, exactly. And I felt like spirit led. And then I went back, get my levels checked. And they're like, your levels are high again. You need to have magnesium, which for me, I felt like it goes back to the business of being born. Like, I know I didn't watch that movie, but I feel like it's just money. And I feel like they're like, oh, we can't charge you for having the baby at your house, but we can charge you for magnesium drip. Because I like never had symptoms, but also I was like, well, I can't die. I have two kids now. So um, so I did end up back at the hospital, which was really discouraging for me because that's the last thing I wanted was to go back to the hospital. But I just went because... They kept, call- like, literally, I can show you my call logs. They kept calling me. They're like, we really are worried about you. We really think you need to do this. And, like, people listening to this is like, wow, hospitals don't usually call you that much. I'm like, again, it goes back to being an African-American woman. And they're just, I feel like they're overcompensating. I really feel like they're like, we just got to make sure nothing happens. And they also wanted to make me pay <laughs> because I got the hospital bill. And I was like, how the heck does this cost oh. as much? My- Don't even get me started. <laughs> I have a hospital bill for a two-hour ER visit. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. It's, it's insane. Oh, my oh man. Well, Ladeja, this is incredible. Yeah. I, I, it's so incredible. I see so much beauty and redemption in your story. And the the lessons that you have drawn from this yourself are phenomenal. You know, just the this idea of knowing that your body was made to do this, being confident in that and and in prayer about that, educating Mm -hmm. yourself. You know, there was so much education that took place between that first and second uh, experience. And I just, I think that that is absolutely huge. And I know that moms are going to so deeply resonate with this experience and this story. So I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. 
thank you so much for having me. Yes. One thing I think I told you this earlier, but I was telling uh, just for everyone listening, I told Caitlin she was a big motivator during my home birth because I was like, I have to have this home birth so I can get on this podcast. Like, I was like, I have to tell Caitlin. And then literally, I think she was the one of the first people um, <laughs> who I told because at the time, like, doing this interview, we still haven't announced our son, but I definitely told Caitlin, guys. I was like, I need to tell her. <laughs> And so, I was yeah. so thrilled to be able to have you on. And that, that means the world to me. So thank you so much, Ladesha. Thank you. Wasn't that such a beautiful transformation? As we head into this week's episode roundup, I'm going to make sure that the rest of Ladesha's dreams come true by sharing her points as the episode roundup. Number one, Ladesha walked into her second birth with the confidence and deep knowing that her body was made to do this. She had been thoughtful prayerful, and so considerate, and she knew this birth experience at home was exactly what she needed. And number two, so much of this confidence came through education. Between her first and second birth, Ladesia took education seriously. She knew she wanted something different, and she worked hard to make it happen. What an amazing experience. Ladesia, I am so thrilled for your successful home birth and so glad you made it onto the podcast to share. Okay, my friends, that is all that I've got for you for today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.